Welcome to the Digital Workplace Deep Dive. I'm your host, Weston Morris. With this episode, I'm starting a series of conversations about the digital workplace within specific industries. So for example, in the future, we would like to take a look at healthcare, maybe public sector, but for our very first episode in this series, we're gonna take a look at the high tech industry. What makes high tech unique? How is the pandemic forcing high tech to evolve? What can high tech do better? And, and really a, a slew of other questions as well. I'm really looking forward to speaking with my expert today. Barb Stinnett is the CEO and founder of Timuron Group. She has three decades of experience in high tech, being a key member of the C-suite in Fortune 25 high tech companies, uh, names that you probably recognize, HP, Oracle, SAP, Cisco, just to name a few, and also has a unique set of skills in being a CEO for early to mid caps, working with private equity firms, running IoT and managed SaaS companies, names you also might recognize, some total systems, and Workday. And Barb, uh, the, the most recent uh, thing I saw on your resume here, I'm, I'm very excited about, is uh, serving as a fractional CEO of Orbit's Edge, working with Elon Musk's SpaceX to get low earth satellite internet available for mankind. Welcome to the Digital Workplace Deep Dive, Barb. Thank you, Weston. It's a pleasure to be here and I'm really looking forward to the time with you and the audience today. Now, both Unisys and Timuron Group have experience in multiple industries ranging from healthcare to public sector, transportation, finance. And I'm just curious, Barb, in your experience, what makes high tech different from these other industries that I just mentioned? I think what's really changed over the last year to two years is we view high tech now is omnipresent. We don't even see it as a vertical anymore. We actually assume that high tech as a function and an industry is always in every single vertical. And that because it's become so pervasive, there's really no avenue in any industry that can really run well if you don't have technology as a part of it. So we actually have seen, when we looked at our seven or eight key verticals over the years, we've actually flipped high tech on its side and it intersects with each of the verticals now as, as a horizontal uh, function that is required for every single group globally. An observation that I have about high tech, uh, Barb, is comparing it with other industries is it doesn't provide you know natural resources you know like a mining company it's not a service per se but its intellectual property actually comes from its employees its people i think in most cases if we were to look at the employee spectrum for a high-tech company it's it's probably a disproportionately high uh, in the number of employees that have a university education uh, high-tech industry wants people that are inventive and it turns out those folks are expensive as well. So I'm, I'm wondering from your perspective, Barb, what do you see as different about high tech and how they develop new products and solutions? Anytime you're doing new product introduction, it does start with a simple format where you go for concept through distribution of product and that life cycle. Uh, if you look at any of the other industries to your point, you know, in, in consumer packaged goods, right? It's farm to fork and all the things from agriculture and soil to actual the harvesting and the operational tasks and how you actually put that on the table for consumption. Technology is totally about the people because you can create certain technologies that come from those firms. You take a look at HP with all their IoT and the devices, Oracle, all things data. 
Uh, so you do have them producing sections of the product, but when you're looking at technology overall, it is the people. You have to be able to be very tech savvy and almost like a subject matter expert, if you will, on all the components in the industry. But the magic occurs when you've got somebody that's innovative and creative and can actually apply technology to healthcare or apply technology to precision agriculture and so on. So it is really hard to bottle IP when it involves people and not necessarily a product. Mm. It's very hard to patent or to protect. And so that also makes this industry a little more unique. You can do that on products like the router switches hubs or IoT, but the actual managed services and the things that really help it be profitable and grow and bring value to the other industries is it's all about the people and the smarts and how they assemble the components that come out from this technology group. Uh, in an earlier conversation with you, Barb, you mentioned to me as well that high tech is a bit cannibalistic. Is there an example you could share with us maybe where it kind of exemplifies this cannibalistic component of high tech? Absolutely. And I think even the most famous in our industry, you know, we go back to what Steve Jobs did and how he and Bill Gates were kind of starting out together. I mean, one of the key things early on, what were the two of them in a real cat fight and sat down and finally said, you know what, we need to figure out how to bring each other down and come back in something that's stronger. So the whole cannibalistic and synergistic approach uh, magnifies, I believe, the speed to market in high tech versus any other industry. It's really hard for Coca-Cola and PepsiCo and consumer packaged goods to come together on that. There's so much complexity on their products and what they do and the differentiations, for example, and recipes for the drinks and, and foods they bring to the table. In technology, again, we are about the components, whether it's hardware, software, networking, security, the building blocks are all there for anybody to come up with their company. The magic comes in how you apply it. So that I think alone in high tech makes it really unique because you are cannibalistic. You are looking to see what's the better mousetrap. How are we going to do this? What if I brought my strongest competitor together with me, either in a markup through a private equity or actually just to market on how do we stop, you know, trying to go for the same market, the same wallet and taking fractions of it. Why don't we like figure out how we're going to like come together and actually get the, all of the wallet. I see that more in the, in the high tech industry than any other industry that we work. It is very cannibalistic. But that creativity and the ability to accelerate um, is, is a very powerful thing in the technology market. And, and thinking about the work you do with Orbit's Edge and, and connecting with you know, SpaceX and Elon Musk, I, I, as I take a step back and look at everything Elon Musk does, it almost seems totally disconnected. He's got, you know, what's, what's the satellite stuff have to do with, for example, his automotive? But I believe you see a connection between them. If you took Tesla, or any self-driving vehicle. To run that car, it takes a plug, it takes electricity, and it takes software. And that's much different than the average person's use of a car. So now I take my car and I plug it in at night and I download my software and it self-drives me where I need to go. So for example, I'm driving my Tesla down the road. Uh, there is, you know, maybe there is some kind of animal that cuts in front of me, unknown, and it's in self-drive mode. I need to be sure that that access to the internet never drops because there's an eight second latency pushing data up to low earth orbit and having it come back. And in eight seconds, that can be a matter of literally life and death. 
So the applied technologies and the ability to always be on, be sure, and to be able to not second guess it and that it is working is very important. So uh, one of the examples for auto is making sure that that actually works. And there's a way with the hardware, software, and technologies and security that that latency calculations are made so that you can actually affect things here on Earth by using the low Earth orbit technologies that are going to really help all of us be able to operate in a more effective way. If we continue to do, for example, manufacturing on this Earth, we've already got a lot of environmental issues from the US that we've pushed off to the Asian communities. The population uh, in Asia suffers from the environmental issues that that causes. And it really showed up during this COVID period because you could see pictures before and after the manufacturing had to stop, where you know, for the first time literally in three decades, Beijing could actually see the sky. And so one of the key things, the connections to your point is, if you see the uh, space area as something that one, brings better quality of life here on this planet, but still allows to do manufacturing there, for example, doing breaks on the moon, Somebody like Elon Musk and SpaceX is looking to actually get a manufacturing plant built on the moon to actually allow uh, auto manufacturers to produce brake systems, which by the way, with gravity in their favor, it makes it extremely high quality at a much lower price in an environment that does not affect the human element here on the planet. Those are kind of the big things that go on in these types of leaderships and the technologies. And it's not just Elon, there's, there's literally thousands of companies uniting across all these multiple industries, Weston, that you talked about, where technology is being applied to actually bring better quality of something, better quality of life and air on the planet, a much better product in the example of the car brakes. The hardest part for me is thinking that, you know, when this all occurs somewhere in the next five plus years, instead of having it a romantic evening looking at the the moon at night, I'm going to see lights on it. I don't, I don't really like that. <laughs> but there, there's always a connection and it's all about just understanding the components of technology and then how to assemble it in ways to address solutions by industry. And I think that's why this industry, if you will, high tech is different. I think I'd like to maybe switch gears a little bit and, and talk about a misconception that many people have about high tech. When people think about high tech companies, uh, I think there's a belief that because high tech companies create high tech, that, that automatically makes them great at <laughs> using high-tech effectively. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? That's a very interesting question. As high-tech industry, we are the thought leaders. It's pretty amazing how there's a tremendous amount of knowledge and subject matter expertise, but when we apply it to ourselves, it's almost opposite. <laughs> you know, when I was growing up in, in high-tech, it was really kind of second nature to just adopt and learn the technology uh, what happens with us in our industry is um, we just learn it and we just do it. Half the time, we don't even pull out instructions on how to run what we have because we're, we're all pretty good at right. it. But I would be asking the CIOs that are listening in, if you could be in any other industry besides high tech, um, how would you feel? Because if I'm a CEO in these companies, in a high tech company, that I think would be one of the hardest jobs because all of us are smart in technology and we're always second guessing, but yet the CIO is trying to build infrastructure to help our company run. And in high tech, we're all like doing our own thing. So your question being, how well does that work? It's like, oh yeah, we definitely use technology, 
but we're not necessarily the best at ingesting it and using it to our favor. Whereas in other companies, like again, if you pick healthcare or consumer packaged goods, we're gonna to turn to our CIO and the company and say, you know, how should we be running the operating room? Or how should we be building our supply chain for Frito-Lay? And uh, we're gonna do what that technologist and his department or her department says. When you're in a tech company, everybody's kind of building their own. And that works for and against you as an industry. Another thing that I've observed as we look at our customer base at Unisys is it seems that the high-tech companies are more willing to invest in what we call employee experience than maybe in other industries. And one is an example as I saw in the news just recently, Microsoft, you know, their headquarters, Redmond, Washington, it's sprawled. Part of the campus is uh, on one side of SR520 and the other part of the campus is on another. And uh, this freeway just cuts right through the campus. And they did a study and saw that the productivity of their high-tech employees, people that should be creating the, you know, the next new version of, of whatever, right? Or fixing bugs, their productivity was down because of the time spent moving between the East and West campus for whatever, for cafeteria, for meetings. And so they decided, hey, if we had a pedestrian bridge that crossed this highway, we could improve employee experience and we could improve uh, productivity, which is really what they wanted. And so they went to the, uh, the government officials, says, hey, is this something that could be built? They agreed. The government was going to take too long. And Microsoft says, hey, we'll, we'll do it. You know, we'll build it. We'll pay for it. And, uh, and when we're done with it, we'll hand it over to you. I mean, to me, that's a, a great example of the investment in, you know, that a high-tech company is willing to take because they know that the downtime of their employees has a very strong correlation with their overall revenue. Yep. And, and it's not just, you know, with something like this, the, the pedestrian bridge, but, um, you know, for example, in Microsoft, you can see the tech cafes, uh, locations where end users can come in and get personal help, maybe at lunch, drop something off, get it swapped out and then go back to being productive as quickly as possible. Microsoft, amongst other high-tech companies, recognizes the importance of keeping people productive because it has a strong connection with the bottom line. Now, you've worked with many high-tech companies. Do you see a similar trend, you know, that investment in the end-user experience? Uh, absolutely. And I think, you know, even the new term that we see a lot of the high-tech uh, organizations themselves use is like, we need to we have a need for speed, but it's got to be about the quality. If you went back 10, 20 years ago, the old Deming triangle, you know, the Deming triangle saying we need to be sure we're solving our people inputs as well as getting better product and do it through our processes. So the three P's and uh, what you see is the three P's now for people product process is moving into quote unquote better human experience. So there are a lot of new programs and metrics inside the high tech industry that reward uh, employees for breaking the glass, if you will. It's like, of course, we expect you to do your job, deliver on your job, give us what we need. That's all there. But they're also saying our industry is one of the best, is the best for applied technology. So I want you to be innovative. I want you to be creative. I want you, terms are like break the glass uh, and come to me with ideas by industry, like the one you just gave with, you know, taking a look at the real estate and the ability to get from point A to point B. Talk about what is not making you productive or happy or frustrated and figure out how to apply technology. And by that, they have, you know, by doing so, we will give you reward or recognition. Some companies I've seen are actually paying for people's healthcare per year. That's the one, I can't mention the name, but it's one of the Fortune 25 high techs. Based on bringing a new and innovative solution and apply the technology, and we will actually cover your 
and your family's health insurance for a year. Others do it through bonuses. Some people are doing it through recognition for getting published. A lot of people, especially in the engineering side, would like to just get published for some new process they brought. How do you take our industry, high tech, and apply it in a way that really helps the human experience? It kind of ties back to the beginning of the discussion, Weston, when you were talking about being a cannibalistic uh, industry. I think this is a great example of that because if you can find solutions that allow you to get over the not invented here syndrome, but like, you know what? Weston's got a much better solution to this. What if I took his go-to-market, merged it with mine, and what do we have together? Mm-hmm. And looking at Steve Jobs for Apple or Elon Musk with any of his companies, Tesla, Spaces, et cetera, you will see this behavior. And it is about the people in the industry and um, just the ability, the ability to take risk, right? That's the other piece, to find these new solutions, like your example you gave, and just say, you know, this isn't in my job spec, but I think I have a solution for this. So I'm going to go try to apply it. It's a really big deal in, in high tech. We've been talking here about what makes high tech unique. I think there's a few things that are common between high tech and really any industry. I mean, one of them that comes to my mind is the effect of mergers and acquisitions. Well, that's for sure. One of the things I've seen is regardless of industry is a merger gives you a whole nother company with its own IT department. Right. And they may have chosen different technologies. You know, it could be, uh, you know, OneDrive versus Box. It might be Google Apps versus Office. It might be Zoom versus Teams. (laughs) And you as a a high tech company have to figure out how to deal with that, how to bring those technologies together. Which one am I going to use or do I keep both? Yeah, I think that um, what's really interesting in what you're saying, Weston, is there are a lot of different ways to get to the same answer, right? And when you are in technology, you're aware of everything in your industry around you. So like, for example, just even during this uh, pandemic crisis, I probably see nine to 10 consistent technologies to talk about how we're going to communicate, whether it's Microsoft Teams or Zoom or uh, you know Google Chat or, or whoever it is. There was a new one yesterday. It was just call, uh, call me friendly. <laughs> so, there's a lot of applications. And I think it's really um, challenging, again, when you're in one of the other core industries that is focused on their market, you don't see the tech getting challenged as much. But in, in this, in our industry, because everybody's aware of it, they all want to try their own. Yeah. Um, I think, again, it really takes, as an industry, uh, strong leadership to run one of these high-tech companies as the, the leader in the technologies that are going to be used to help you operate, which is a much different approach than when you're in your product development arm and you're saying, okay, I want you guys to dream. You have a blank sheet of paper, you go out, you build the next big mousetrap, use all the new and uh, upcoming technologies. But yet as a company, we're telling them, here is what we're going to use as a baseline to run the company. And I think that's a that's one of the big opportunities and challenges in high tech is being able to have that balance because it's a cultural thing as well as an operational potential to run or not run well. well let's uh, let's talk about the pandemic a bit. Um, as you well know, Barb, in episode 13 of this uh, podcast series, I spoke with your chief customer officer, Lynn Herbert. We had a great discussion about uh, trends and, and strategies that she's seeing that really are affecting all industries. Um, this is part of your virtue work offering that we're using as a front end to our managed services around the pandemic. But my question for you, Barb, is from your perspective, how has the pandemic impacted the high tech industry specifically? 
in the very beginning when this happened, it was all about the physical aspects of high tech. People were being told within 24 hours they need to move out of the building and get to a remote stay in place location. Sometimes that was at home, sometimes it was an intermediate office. Uh, it just it varied. And just the whole physical layer aspect was just huge. You you saw, you know, normal unified communication for, for conference calling. They were working just fine, barely, as new technologies coming onto market in the last two to three years. All of a sudden, everybody's on it. The whole household, the children, you know, the the nanny, everything. And so the physical layer really was burdened. And the neat thing I thought was you saw it take a hit during the first 30 days, but by the 60th and 90th days, it was up and running. Those companies grabbed the components and actually put them to use and built the better mousetrap. And you see full redundancy security in place at this point in time. Now here we are six months into it. It's amazing. And quite honestly, Weston, that's one of the key things with Unisys that for our virtual work, we're there solving the frontline solutions with our clients. And we need a partner like Unisys behind us to be sure we don't have to second guess the technologies. It runs, it's up, it's accurate, it's secure. So that layer one was the first thing we saw on an effect, cause and effect of the pandemic and organizations like yourself really being there to kind of have that stability in the first 90 days made a huge difference. The second layer that we saw that got affected is Everybody started to figure out how to use their technology and be more effective. And then it got down to the brass tacks of, all right, how am I going to do my job from where I am now? I'm used to being in an office with hallway conversation, access to all my files, et cetera. So phase two came and the whole behavioral layer came. And then after the physical and the behavioral layers uh, got addressed, now we're actually moving into, you know, the new norm. And uh, you know, layer three is about what does our work look like as we are now going to be working on it, probably in a mixed environment uh, ongoing. Several of us in the technology industry have been told, this is the new norm, you can return to an office or not, it's your choice. Big companies, LinkedIn, Apple, Google, really putting that in and it's completely changing organizational structure, our cultures, not just the way we use technology, but technology is there to support the whole new norm of how we're going to work together. So you have the physical, the behavioral, and then the complete cultural change. And those are how I see the pandemics affected us and feel that high tech is the key horizontal that's got to be there for any industry to actually operate and grow going forward. Well, I could relate to these layers that you're describing here, especially layers one and two, because we're still in those. You know, here at Unisys, we went from 15% of our employees working from home to around 95% in just a, sh a very short period of time. And then secondly, and I was very impressed with this too, and appreciative that not just HR, but um, the leadership of the company communicated frequently about how are you doing? What's going on? You know, be careful about burnout. Uh, how are things working? What can we do better? What, you know, even though we're a technology company, what technologies can we use and improve in? So I'm, I'm thinking about not just ourselves, but really all of our high-tech brethren um, or sisterin mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, looking ahead to the future in the new norm. What do you see, Barb, that is specifically in high-tech that we can expect to see in the near future? If you look at it from a, a high-tech company in the new norm, there's big change in just how we communicate 
things as simple as somebody's growth path. How do we expect people to show up uh, for company brand? Because now there are no rules when you're sitting in your um, in your home or other places. You got to be sure that the image and the brand of the company show up the way that the company wants it. So at a company level, we have, and it's not just high tech. Everybody's got to like determine what's the new culture, what's the new branding protocol, uh, what's the new way to career path, uh, what's the new way to set up org design. Um, how do we show equity and fairness in those that want to work wherever they want to work? Uh, if somebody wants to come back into the office and somebody wants to work from their garage, we, we have to be sure we start to change our perspectives and our perceptions of where people work and start to fully focus on what is the deliverables. And as long as we get to deliverables, making sure culturally that that is accepted and rewarded and uh, continues on. So, there is a lot to change in these four aspects from company culture to organizational design to how you communicate and integrate as a team member um, and how you show up as brand for the company. Uh, and those are just the starts of it. And we are seeing some phenomenal leadership. Timberon Group works with um, the top 10% uh, companies on a global basis to work with their chief HR officers uh, to start to really capture what is this new norm. And for those that are interested, we've got a lot of just free good learnings that are out on our website. Feel free to take a peek. Uh, and we do appreciate Unisys uh, working with us on these in the virtual work series because it isn't just about the tech. It is because you need it there, but it really is about the, the human experience. One of the things that I'm looking forward to in the very near future is like this Zoom call we're having here that in addition to the two of us, there's an intelligent virtual agent that is sitting in on the call here as well and, and taking notes instead of me taking notes, writing down actions, collecting information, being able to search for information. And that's on my wish list, right? I'm waiting for that to happen and, and that'd be an important part. Just curious as to whether you've got anything on your wish list that you'd love to see happen that, hey, hey, high tech companies knocking on the door. Hey, <laughs> this is what I want to see as a consumer of high tech. This is a really exciting question because literally for almost 35 years, if somebody asked me, what do I do? I don't say that I'm in the high tech industry. I just simply say I'm all about the data. And quite honestly, when we formed Timuron Group in 2008, that just became our tagline. We're all about the data. So what does that mean, right, to your question? We really spend a lot of time thinking global, but breaking it down into smaller bites to act locally. And what I would love to see on how high tech can get in. My dream would be that everybody recognizes, and I think we are through this pandemic, the main thing is it is all about the data. If you want to run your company ongoing, you've got to understand your information so you know where this old model is working and where the new model for the uh, new norm comes in. You have to have the data. You got to look and understand what is the information telling you. If your company is sailing through this and really growing rapidly, in certain industries, like for sure, like consumer packaged foods and, and the fast food chains, they're taking off. They're the only place that we've been open for a long time. Um, and they're learning things about their data, like, oh my gosh, we could be making so much money if we only improved our supply chain in these three locations or with this food line product. So if you're sitting as that industry in a consumer packaged foods, if you had better technology, and a lot of them are really hopping on this to say, this is really a wide open market for growth. We just need to turn up and understand our supply chain 
and our suppliers, and we can do a better job. We also saw how it caught us off guard, right? When the pork industry and we had COVID breakouts, we weren't prepared for that. We, we understood our supply chains, but we didn't have a plan that said, what if this was to happen and this segment fell out? And so when I say that my dream is just everybody focusing on, it's all about your data, it's recognizing the power of growth and the prevention of failure, no matter what industry you're in, you have got to have a baseline technology that's omnipresent. It's up, it's running, it's secure, it's there. It, I'm, I'm preaching to you. You know, you know about this, right, uh, Weston? So it's everything you guys do at Unisys, but you have to pop up one level as a leader in your industry and really look at the information and figure out how you're going to use it different in the new model. You know, one of the things I'm, we're seeing a lot with um, the, the customers we work with, Barb, is that there is just uh, such a um, tremendous amount of energy uh, focusing on how do I deal with the pandemic, almost in a reactive mode, right? Innovation, those sorts of things have been, been pushed off. Um, what, what is something that you see as a very important step in being able to be successful and, and getting ahead of your competition as you come out of the pandemic? Yeah, I think that, you know, this world of the new norm, everybody's still in the process of experiencing it. But, uh, you know, for several of our clients, we have been really just helping them react, learning the information, as we've talked about, and getting to get to the other side of this so that we can get back to, to full growth. But I think really when, the, you know, we're working with them on what's next, I think it's really important to say it. every company had to change because it happened, it, we're forced into it, and we've had to focus it. But let's recognize where we had to slow down. And is there maybe a different way, again, back to looking at your information and thinking differently, is there a way to maybe partner with yourself? You know, early in the conversation, you talked to me about our industry in high tech being cannibalistic. I'll give you a great example. We were just working with a client, um, one of the big Fortune 100s in technology. Uh, they are branded as being number one for their product and service offerings but they have had to put so much on their global supply chain focus on it that now all of a sudden they're coming back into the new market and with you know, the way kids are doing work at school and all the equipment that's gonna be out, their supply chain has been a big focus on how to get product, product out in a different way and their services has been different. So for example, we could take something like uh, in our own industry and be able to pull in somebody who's very strong in infrastructure and services and brand them under this other company's brand, but they can get back to market quickly. They can actually go out and create a service level agreement and bring in one of our uh, partners in high tech and actually have them hit the market full speed with their feet on the street to go out and help support, for example, you know, new school systems and consumers really, because it's people at home, not just in a school, to go out and really make a difference. Companies are facing that too. How do we actually cover customer service in a different way on a technology level? And I think it's really important to take a look at these new innovative ideas and how to partner and get a better time to market as, as we enter into the new norm. Well, despite having myself worked in the high-tech industry for over three decades as well, I, I think I have to admit, Barb, that uh, I've gained a new perspective about high-tech from our conversation today. So thank you for spending some time with me in this podcast, Barb. You're welcome, Weston, and we really appreciate it and wish everybody a safe new norm. And uh, thank you for having us. You've been listening to Barb Stinnett, the CEO and founder of Timuron Group, 
as we've been discussing what makes the high-tech industry different from other industries, and also what is the same between high-tech and the other industries. And if you'd like to learn more, I'm going to be posting some links to Timron Group as well as to the Unisys Digital Workplace site on the podcast homepage. This is the Digital Workplace Deep Dive. I'm your host, Weston Morris. Thanks for listening. Thank you.